0: The Cleveland Guardians have a power problem at the major league level, and this farm system may not be able to help them fix it. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects. Your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. Visit FanDuel.com/lockedon. To get started. So continuing our farm system previews, looking at the Cleveland Guardians, and quick reminder here, I am not going to be able to get to every single prospect that's worth discussing in this farm system. If there's a guy that you specifically want to hear about that we don't get to in this show, if you're on YouTube, leave a comment. If you're on audio, you can tweet at me. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Farm. We have a, a, a link tree with Links to the Discord, email, all of that other stuff. Let me know the Monday Mailbag will have all of the guys we missed this week that people want to hear about. But the issue with the Cleveland Guardians in 2024 at the Major League level is they just didn't hit for power. Uh, It was the lowest home run production in the Majors, and if I remember right, I want to say it was either just the top four of Atlanta's roster or maybe the top five of Atlanta's lineup. Uh, Outproduce the entire Guardians team for the entire season when it came to home runs. And when you look at this farm system, there's a couple of guys that should be able to help you, but the question is how soon and can they do enough to make this into even an average power hitting lineup as opposed to what it was before, which was one of the worst power hitting lineups in the majors. So the number one prospect is a guy that I think can help. Outfielder Chase DeLauter, 2022 first rounder out of James Madison, got only 57 games last year. He broke his foot the uh, his, his draft year and then had to have another surgery on it uh, early in the year last year. So again, only 57 games. The stat line is the rehab st- stints in rookie ball plus high A and double A, but The overall statistics are really good. 355, 417, 528 for Chase DeLauter. Five home runs, 27 extra base hits, 23 walks to 30 strikeouts, and 6 and 9 on stolen bases. When you watch Chase DeLauter, he has what you need at the major league level. It makes sense he's the number one prospect in this system. He He has plus power. As far as average exit VLOs, 90th percentile exit VLOs, but then also the contact numbers are plus at least 86% overall contact, not in the zone, 86 overall, it's 88% in the zone. So he's one of the rare Guardians players, Guardians prospects, that not only has the plus contact ability that they're known for in their system, but also has plus power he's really disciplined it's like a 20% chase rate and so the thing for Chase Lauder is you just have to get him reps and get him ready for the major league level i would expect him to go back to double a to start the year and the timeline is honestly probably double a AA to triple a to end of 2024 enough time to get a taste of the major leagues but not pop that rookie eligibility so that in 2025, you can be set up for a Rookie of the Year campaign. Defensively, he can play center field. The speed is plus. The defense is probably above average, or so. I do like his arm. I think it's a plus arm. Last year, he played 22 in center, 22 in right, and 7 in left. And it's that kind of thing where he can play center. You're probably going to have a better defender than him, especially this system having prioritized high contact, good defending types. You're going to find guys that are better defenders than him, but he can play center field for you and he will be able to handle the position at the major league level at probably an average to above average level. So you don't have to move him, but he does profile as a power hitting right fielder. And we've seen some of those guys where uh, being in a corner gives you a chance to run a little bit less and protect your legs. He's a bigger player, 6'4", 235. And so yes, he can play center field, but it feels if you put him in, it gives him an opportunity to not do nearly as much running. And so physically, he's not wearing down as quickly. First baseman Kyle Manzardo, probably another guy who can help you with the power production. 2021 second rounder uh, out of Washington State by the Rays. He was the return on the Aaron Savali trade to Tampa Bay. Got in 97 games last year between rookie ball and Triple A, In the stats aren't great. He was dealing with a dislocated shoulder. There was also some family medical concerns involving his mother that really took uh, both time and attention away from baseball. And so it's a human element of this we need to remember. The stats aren't great again. 237, 337, 464. 17 home runs, 45 extra base hits. After the trade, when he was healthy and was able to come back on the field and some of the family stuff had resolved... The slugging was much better after the trade. He had like a 590 slugging in AAA Columbus after the trade. And then he goes to the Arizona Fall League, 272, 345, 65 with six home runs. That's more emblematic of who Kyle Manzardo is. 90th percentile exit velocity last year, 104.5. 80% contact rate, 90% in the zone. So very plus power, plus hit tool. He did have a ground ball rate a little bit too high. He, d- he he does hit more line drives than home run type shots, but he's going to be able to give you above average to plus power production at the major league level. Good defender, just impossibly slow. It's he's very slow. And so now you're in a situation, Joss Naylor played a bunch of first base. Banzardo is a first baseman. They took Devis and De Los Santos in the Rule 5 draft, which was weird because they had Joinsky noel in the system already. Between those three guys, you've got options for first base and DH that should be able to give you power. And I don't know, it's all going to come down to De Los Santos and can he stay at the Major League level. Reminder on the Rule 5 guys, if they if you try to send him down to the minors, you have to give him back. How much he plays, Manzardo plays versus De Los Santos, I think is really up to De Los Santos. You could always start off with La Santos and then call Manzardo up as soon as he stumbles a little bit or gets hurt or something like that. We'll see what happens. But either way, Manzardo can give you some power production at the major league level. But a lot of the guys who are going to debut, and we'll get to them in segment two, are guys that I don't know if they can help you right away with power production. So starting 2024, you're still in the same boat you were in. One more top prospect I want to mention, and it's a really tough one to know where to put him. I had nowhere, to, no place to put him, really. Daniel Espino, the right-handed pitcher, first rounder in 2019 out of high school, had a capsular tear in his shoulder. So he's throwing right now. The goal was to get back onto a mound sometime late this spring or early in the summer. And this is coming off of a 22 season where he had a knee injury after 18 innings. And so we just haven't seen him play a lot of baseball since 2021. Now, when he was pitching, fastball was touching 100, uh, slider in the low 90s, a a vertical breaking curveball, a change, the control was fine. He looked like a really promising pitcher. We just haven't seen him on the mound in so long. And a capsule tear in the shoulder injuries honestly scare me more than Tommy John does, simply because... We know so much about Tommy John now. We're so familiar with Tommy John that it feels like the rehab process is pretty straightforward. But a shoulder issue is just scary. And you've seen teams move away from promising pitchers that have shoulder injuries. Brandon Woodruff wasn't tendered by the Milwaukee Brewers. The Atlanta Braves traded away Kyle Wright a season after he led the league in wins. Because they were concerned about his rehab from the shoulder surgery and what he was going to look like and when he was going to come back. So, Espino probably isn't a top three prospect in this system, but I don't think we'll see him in 2024. So, he didn't belong in that segment. And he's technically not in the lower minors. I didn't know where to put him in here. So, we put him here. He was a former top prospect in this system. And we're hopeful that he can be healthy in 2024, first of all, for quality of life reasons. And then, two, that he can get to the point where he can not only get back on a mound again, but get back into competition again, rebuild some of that prospect status. In just a minute, let's talk about those guys you might see in 2024. Uh, It's going to be a lot of those middle infield contact types. We'll break them down next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season is over, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five-dollar bet. It's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. You don't have to win your bet, you just have to place a bet. So go out this weekend. You've got some playoff games in the NFL, pick a random team to win the game. You'll get a hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets that you can then turn around and use. On the MLB odds on FanDuel, the Guardians are at plus 4,000 to win the American League next year, and they, believe it or not, have the third best odds to win the Central. The Twins are first at minus 145. The Tigers are second at plus 360. I was surprised, too. The Guardians are at plus 420, with the Royals at plus 1,100 and the White Sox at plus 3,000. So, visit fanduelcom slash locked on to get started with your 150 bucks in bonus bets for all new customers today with FanDuel, the official book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so looking at the prospects that are going to debut in 2024, and one of them you've actually already seen in Brian Rocchio, 2018 IFA. The thing with Rocchio, so you've got Rocchio, you've got Angel Martinez and Juan Brito. And these are variations, this is s- s- simplistic, okay? And you can get a more detailed breakdown from our friends over at Locked On Guardians. They are very good with prospects and major leaguers. Rocchio, Martinez, and Brito are all variations. It feels of the same guy. Rocchio is by far the highest ceiling of the three. He's probably the number three prospect in this system instead of Espino. And you saw him a little bit last year. 116 games in AAA in Columbus with the Clippers. 280, 367, 421, 7 homers and 46 extra base hits. 60 walks to 66 strikeouts, 25 of 32 on stolen bases. He played short, he played second, he played third. 23 games in the majors the end of the year. 247, 279, 321. 6 extra base hits, didn't hit a homer, but 4 walks to 27 strikeouts, no stolen base attempts. You can see where they're tr- like he's having to acclimate to the major league level. He's a switch hitter, and the major league stats don't necessarily encapsulate how good I think he can be. Uh, Chase is pretty low, it's like under 30%. His contact rate, very good. 80% overall, 87% in the zone. The area where he's lacking a bit, and again, this is a Guardian's thing here: 90th percentile exit velocity of only 101 miles an hour. Again. MLB average is just over 103. His average exit below is like 86. And again, that's the average is closer to 90. And so it's below average power. And there's still some physical development that he can do, right? Like there's still a little bit of work. He's 22 years old. He's 5'10", 170. But he's always going to be a contact guy. He can, he can stick at shortstop. So he's going to be a high contact guy. He's going to be somebody who can defensively cover everything he needs. It's just, power-wise, where is that ceiling going to be? He has experience playing second and third. He played some short and some third when he came up last year. So he can cover any of those three infield positions. Obviously, you've got guys at second and third already, so that doesn't help a lot. And then the two guys behind him, Martinez and Brito, are, again, this is a joke, but variations of the same player, right? Both were in double A AA to triple A last year. Martinez batted 251. Brito batted 271. They both played some some second base, some third base, and some shortstop. Brito, to me, is the better of the two, and I think he's behind Rokio. I've seen some people put Brito above Rokio. I've got Rokio 1, Brito 2, Martinez 3. Brito's contact, just like Rokio's, 80%. Overall contact, 88% in the zone. His 90th percentile exit velocity is 102. So right in line with where Rokio is. I think Brito's not as polished defensively as Rokio. And I think Rokio still has more of a ceiling than Brito does. And so I think that's why, how I have it where I have it in that lineup. Martinez, very similar numbers as far as contact and power and things like that. But he does have some platoon splits. He does struggle more against righties than the other guys. And so you've got three players who can all play second, short, third. I think Brito and Martinez profile best as second baseman. I think Rocchio profiles best as a shortstop. But when you look at this major league roster, you don't necessarily have places for all three of these guys to be up at the same time. Spring training, I would imagine Rocchio probably wins the job. And Rokio is probably the guy who starts off as the everyday shortstop. He's going to have a high floor. Behind him, again, Bredo and Martinez are probably your up the middle tandem in AAA until there's an injury or ineffectiveness at the major league level. Another guy that interested in could potentially help you if he's healthy with some of that power concern. Outfielder George Valera only got 73 games in AAA last year, and the stats weren't pretty. But when you look at the injuries he had, he started off with a hand injury. It was a hammock bone that he broke in his hand, and then a hamstring injury later. Those are the types of injuries that power hitters specifically feel like it take a, takes a while to come back from. And he just wasn't getting into that power last year because of the recovery from the Hammett in the hand. 73 games in AAA, 211, 343, 375. 10 homers, 21 extra base hits, 50 walks to 85 strikeouts, one for three on stolen bases. The power was plus for George Valera 91 average exit below 105, 90th percentile. Now he hits the ball on the ground a little too much. So that kind of takes away some of the game power for Valera. And then when you watch the actual hit tool with the plate. He doesn't chase a ton. It's like a 12% chase last year, but he just has natural swing and miss in the zone. It was like 68% overall contact and in the zone, only 76. So he's that classic power hitting corner outfield profile. He's going to have natural swing and miss, but he can also crank 25 bombs if everything works out. He did play a lot of center field last year, and I think the speeds average, the arms average, He can stick in center. Another guy, if it's him and DeLauder, I want DeLauder in center. I want Valera in right or left. But ideally, you have these guys in the corners with somebody else in center to take all of that running for you. And so curious what's going to happen this year. I want to see him come back healthy and another guy who could contend for a job out of spring training. I just don't know if he'll get one or not. And part of the reason is behind him Jowinski Noel, 138 games entirely in AAA last year. I mentioned him in the last segment. 220, 303, 420, 27 home runs, 50 extra base hits. Here's the thing, though. 49 walks to 145 strikeouts, one for four on stolen bases. He's played left field, 45 games. He played right field, 40 games. He played first, 28 games. He played third, 20 games, and 10 games at DH. Uh, the power's ridiculous. 90th percentile of 106. The average power, though, is only 87 miles an hour because he chases a lot. 40-something, like forty, like plus 40% chase rate for Joenski-Noel. And the contact's fine, 81% in the zone, 70% overall. So he's going to be another guy, like a Valera, that runs the strikeouts but has the power. The question's going to be what combination of outfielders do you use? Do you use Noel in some, some corners? Do you use Valera? Is Lauder in center field? Is Delauder in a corner? You've got a couple different options here, and it's all going to depend on how Noel plays in spring training to figure out which of these guys, Del De Santos, Naylor, Manzardo, how you can figure. You've got options to give you power, but most of these guys, with the exception of Manzardo, are going to significantly give you swing and miss as well. It's a conscious decision Cleveland has to make. How much swing and miss will we take on to improve that power issue? Two pitchers I want to talk about real quick you'll see next year. Joey Cantillo, the lefty. Uh, 119 innings between AA and AAA. ERA just over four. Fastball sits in the low to mid 90s. He can touch 98 on it. Very good. Induced vertical break numbers. It's very good up in the zone. It's elite levels of Induced vertical break up in the zone. He's got to change up a curveball and a slider. The issue there, and the reason the ERA is bad, is he needs to throw more strikes. He was below 60% last year, and that means that uh, when he gets into a disadvantage count, he has to come in the zone and hitters were teeing off on him. So he needs to be able to get ahead of hitters early in the count. I don't know if that's landing the curveball for strikes more, if that's uh, prioritizing the fastball early. I don't quite know what that looks like, but that's something to watch for before you see him at the major league level. And then watch Andrew Walters, draftee out of the, in the second round out of Miami last year. But he was the best closer in baseball for the last two, or in college baseball for the last two years. His stats from college, 141 ERA, 15 strikeouts per nine innings, under two walks per nine innings. Fastball sits 95 miles an hour. It's got both, it's got both induced vertical break and arm side run. He's got a slider, kind of sweeperish. He's got a changeup. Should be able to move incredibly quickly. You could see him, I'm not gonna say opening day, but you could see him by mid-season working in that Cleveland bullpen. So keep an eye on him. In just a minute, let's talk about the lower level prospects to watch, guys that are gonna be part of the next wave coming up. We'll get to them next, right here on Locked On MLB Prospects. Final segment of Locked On MLB Prospects here on Thursday. Quick reminder, Locked On now has the the first 24-7 streaming sports channel. Locked On Sports Today is available uh, YouTube, Roku Fire Devices, I'm sorry, Roku's Amazon Fire Devices. It is the national experts of Locked On shows like this one, as well as the localized shows for when events happen in specific areas. So, Locked On Sports today available on YouTube, Roku devices, Amazon Fire. Go watch it today. Okay, some of the top prospects in the lower levels here. Ralphie Velasquez, catcher, was the first rounder out of high school last year. Only gotten six games in rookie ball, but. A good six games, 348, 393, 739. Two homers and five extra base hits. He was mostly at DH. One game at first, one game at catcher, four at DH. Here's the thing about Ralphie Velasquez you need to know about. Contact, above average. Power is plus. And so he's part of the reason there's belief that the Guardians have adjusted the types of players that they're looking for in the draft, right? Because he's not the contact guy with questionable power. He's got plus power and above average contact. And so if you end up, if they end up going with a power hitter at number one overall this year in the draft, Ralphie Velasquez is one of the data points that says they've started to adjust the guys they look for in the draft to try to get more power. Question for Ralphie Velasquez, is he going to stay at catcher or not? He's a little bit raw back there. The arm is plus. It's just the actions are a little bit like you would expect from a prep catcher, right? He's not one of those naturally plus defenders already. So if the bat is very advanced, you could see them eventually move him to first base to get him to the majors quicker. But all indications are they're going to give him time to develop as a catcher before they make any sort of decision on eventually moving him off the position. So we'll see what happens there. Left-hand pitcher... Alexander Klimy, second rounder out of high school last year. Only 17 years old on draft day. There is the model the Guardians like to do in their thing, but he's 6'6". And a lot of the tools here you really like. Fastball sits mid-90s already from a lefty, really good velocity. Elite levels of induced vertical break up in the zone. Again, go back to the first segment of the Pirates show if you want to hear us talk about fastball shape and break down what constitutes elite induced vertical break versus other ones. To go along with the fastball, it's a two-plane breaking curveball, high 70s right on 80 miles an hour. Changeups are work in progress. A lot of prep draftees don't have a great changeup because they don't need one. They can blow it past a lot of high school hitters. Overall command needs to be improved. That's a common thing. But a lot of tools. It's an organization that's done a good job of developing pitching. You trust them to figure this out. So I like that. Two international free agents worth discussing that had great DSL and or rookie ball debuts last year shortstop Welben Francisca 40 games in the DSL last year stat lines absurd 316 419 500 three home runs 16 extra base hits 24 walks to 35 strikeouts 11 to 18 on stolen bases mostly played shortstop spent some time at third spent some time at second DH'd a little bit the thing here switch hitter He had an OPS over 900 from both sides of the plate. So it's a relatively balanced profile for a switch hitter. Pitch recognition is good. Swing decisions are good. Question like you get with almost every 17-year-old in the DSL. What is the power ceiling going to be? Should be able to stick it short. If not, the belief is that he has an arm that could go to third. But it's going to be, okay, what, where are you going to end up as a power hitter? And I think that's the big question we have to figure out, right? Outfielder, Jason Churio. I legitimately don't know if this is pronounced Jason or Jason. It's J-A-I-S-O-N. He's the younger brother of Jackson Churio. But the point here for Churio is, was got 48 games between rookie ball and A ball last year. And again, really good slash line. 321, 446, 419 slugging. One homer. 15 extra base hits, 44 walks to 52 strikeouts, 20 to 22 on stolen bases. Unlike his brother, he has a plus arm. We've talked about Jackson Churio had that arm injury as an amateur, and so his arm strength hasn't necessarily gotten anything above fringe to average. Churio has a plus arm, plus speed, played mostly center field, a little bit of right field. Plus contact, another switch hitter. The thing here is the game power hasn't necessarily been there. He's also listed at 6'1", 160, so there's plenty of room for it to fill out and to develop. So where does that power ceiling come? But another lower minors, former international free agent that's a very impressive outfield prospect with the last name of Churio. You have to feel good knowing where his brother went, that he can be, if he's anywhere close to what his brother is, then obviously he's going to be a very good player for the Guardians. A few players you should know about, left-hand pitcher Jackson Humphreys. Eighth rounder in 2022 out of high school. ERA was over five last year in the lower minors, but has some really intriguing tools. Fastball sits low to mid 90s, vertical breaking curveball in the upper 70s, and a sweeper in the low 80s. We all know how much I like to talk about covering different velocity bands, covering different directions. He has a changeup. I've seen very little of it, but obviously it is that fourth direction in that fourth velocity band if it comes in the mid 80s there. So, like the tools, again, I trust this organization to figure out the development of a pitcher. They've done a good job with building pitching in this organization. So, keep an eye on Jackson Humphreys in 2024 to see what he does. And then, uh, the Guardians traded for shortstop Khalil Watson from the Miami Marlins. Polarizing prospect. He was drafted in the 16th, or the 16th overall pick in 2021 by the Marlins was suspended in 2022. Returned back to the field in 23 was part of the Josh Bell trade. Between, he he batted 217, 329, 406, 15 homers, 25 stolen bases. Didn't have great batted ball luck. I think that the 217's a little bit lower. The contact rates were fine, but it's something where the big thing here, gifted defender, Uh, plus arm, plus defense at shortstop, it's a maturity issue. He struggled with swing and miss. 2022, it was really tough, struggled with swing and miss. That's where the suspension came from. He was upset with an umpire who rang him up on a pitch that was a strike uh, and got suspended for his actions. So, interesting to see if a new organization can maybe unlock something and Khalil Watson that the Marlins weren't able to do. So just keep an eye on him. Let's see what he does this year. I don't imagine the leash is incredibly long, but I'm curious to see if the Guardians can do what the Marlins couldn't. Your dart throw here, another Miami draft pick. They took Andrew Walters in the second round last year. They took CJ Kephas in the third round last year. Got 17 games in A-ball. 271, 429, 542. Four home runs, eight extra base hits. More walks than strikeouts, 5 of 7 on stolen bases. He played some first base, he played some left field, he played some DH. The thing here, contact ability in college was really good. Zone contact of 89%, right? The power in college was MLB average, 89 mile an hour average, 103, 90th percentile exit below. That was with a metal bat though. So... You're in a position of you have a defensively versatile guy, can play corner outfield, can play first base, that either is going to be outside of the profile of a traditional corner outfield slash first base guy by not having a ton of power, or he's going to have to develop that power. Now, we've seen first basemen that aren't massive power mashers work out. I'd argue Kyle Manzardo is not a massive power masher and he's probably going to work out. Uh, Nate Lowe in Texas, guys like that. But it's just a really interesting scenario where he did really well at the Cape the year before his draft. That's obviously another thing the Guardians like to look for in their models. So lefty should have a high on base percentage, defensively versatile. Question going to be how much power does he have? But Keep an eye on him. Really curious to see what he does in 2024. Fantastic week this week. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got more of these coming up. Reminder, there's a guy you want to hear? Let me know. We'll put him in the Monday mailbag. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.